Hey, this is Terry Bean. I just finished an amazing podcast with Pablo. This dude is cool. He's fun. He's got great questions and he brings a ton of value to his audience. If you're looking for that kind of thing, you need to connect with this guy straight away. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way. And in that, I learn from him. This means every single person you ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person and therefore has something to teach you. And you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every networking event or conference you walk into is both a library and your stage. Your network is your personal Google and you are a part of everyone's Wikipedia. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I am your Chief Executive Connector. Follow me as we meet people in my walks. Find out what we can learn from them, what they've learned from others, and what made them want to connect so you can learn to gain and give value to others in all of your interactions. I am terrible at asking for stuff, but if you want to do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. Let me know what you've learned from each episode, or at the very least, Hit me up if I can ever be of service or any kind of value to you. Now, without further ado, let's get connected. Welcome to the Chief Executive Connector podcast. I am Pablo Gonzalez, your host and Chief Executive Connector. And today we got somebody I'm super pumped to talk to. It's my new friend, Terry Bean, who has been a catalyst for good things happening in around the Detroit Rock City area for over a decade. He's a published author, sought after speaker, intuitive business coach, and from personal experience, fun guy to be around. Some of his credits include founding his business networking group, Motor City Connect, something that I'm dying to talk to him about, producing TEDx Detroit, another thing I'm dying to talk to him about, and winning an award from President Obama for volunteer service. He's also a guy that in a in a crowded Zoom call of about 25 people, for whatever reason, immediately got my attention as somebody I had to get to know better in the couple of conversations we had since then. Fascinating, fascinating dude. I present you, Terry Bean. How are you doing, Terry? Man, I'm so much better now. I'm going to have you come around with me, right? You're going to be like my Flavor Flav. Put a little clock around you. You're ready to go, dude. I love it. Hype that man. Is- that's my goal in life. I don't know. Have we had we had this conversation? How I just consider myself a professional hype man, right? That you, you, if you don't, you should, and you are, and you're great at it. Actually, I don't know if you know this, but Flav is out of Public Enemy, so mm-hmm. Chuck D might be looking for a new dude, man. I I don't know him, but it, I'll try and hook you up if you're interested. I mean, I don't have like a big clock to put around my neck, but I can hang my cell phone because that's where <laughs> I get my I, that's where I get my time from. That's right? where you get your time now. Yeah, it's like the 2020 version. Who needs <laughs> clocks anymore? We don't even bother with. I don't even have a watch on, man. Why? I got a phone. I don't need a watch. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed, brother. Agreed, man. Terry, I'm super pumped to get into this, man. I'm really glad you made the time for this and uh, the future of our relationship. But I I, I start all of these conversations kind of, I just told you right before we, right before we started. My big thesis is that people connect the quickest when either somebody adds value to your life or if you share a vulnerability with the person speaking. And I think our conversation is going to be super valuable. So I like to ask all my guests to start off with just sharing kind of what they're struggling with. There's something that they've struggled with in the past to, you know, make you, make you an approachable person to the, to our buddy that's listening right now, as opposed to this like superhuman dude that I'm going to paint you like. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. So it's interesting. You mentioned Motor City Connect. Motor City Connect was a like a passion project. And it was a great way for me, as I, as I stated back a dozen, 14 years ago when I started, to throw my magnet out in the middle of town, right? My, my belief was, you know, I don't want a cold call. I don't want to be the dude dialing. I want to do that. I figured instead of it's not, you know, it's not what you know or even who you know, it's how you're known. And if you could push yourself out there as a guy that people knew that they could rely on, that they could trust, that they could go get some help from, you could be really well positioned that when you pick up that phone, someone might actually answer because they'd say, oh, man, I've heard of you or I've heard of Motor City Connect. Um, But, but, but. 
But when you position yourself, especially a decade and a half ago, as the networking expert, and people look at networking and they look on their budget, there's no damn line item for networking, right? That is not a great way to get rich in dollars. It's a great way to get rich in karma, but you can't pay your mortgage in karma points. It doesn't, I, like I try, listen, countrywide, I got all these karma points. I would like to pay my mortgage. It'd take 2,000 karma points. They're like, <laughs> pound sand sucker you're going to be moving out so it's uh it's a dichotomy right you have to have this right balance of uh you know taking care of others but making sure you're taking care of yourself so i know a lot of fantastic networkers um and most of them are really really good at giving they're not all really good at receiving. So from a value add perspective and a vulnerability perspective, I'm gonna tell you this, make sure that your giving and in receiving is harmonious. I'm not saying it has to be in balance, it doesn't have to be even, but they both have to take place. Man, that's huge, right? Like you definitely just uh, struck a spear of knowledge into my heart there. Um, how do you, Okay. So um, from that answer, I assume that you, you struggled with receiving at first. Mm -hmm. yeah. How did, how did you grow that muscle, man? How did you, how, how did you start being able to, to get better to, to put that thing into harmony, man? Cause I, I struggle with that big time. It's uh it's, it's, it's a work in progress. So I like call me in a couple of years and I'll actually be able to tell you, but I can tell you that the steps that I've been taking one awareness right? You have to be aware. Is this an issue that impacts me? That's a binary question, right? Am I, am I, am I giving way more than I'm getting? Yes. Is it because I'm not open to receiving? Is it because people don't know what to give to me? Is it because my message is confusing? Is it because um, I'm like, no, no, I'm good. And I'm not even answering the question properly. Mm -hmm. Step one, get that level of awareness. Mm -hmm. Step to improve, right? Be conscious of it and constantly be in the motion of still giving, but mm -hmm. making sure that you're actively asking for what you need to. And step three is always the same. Repeat, right? Just yeah, keep iterate. doing it over it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it, man. So what's your ask these days? Like, what do you, what do you ask for when, when, when people are asking you what you need these days? So these days, I've been looking at more speaking gigs on a virtual level. I do a lot of business girl training. I do a lot of uh, motivational speaking. I do a little bit of inspirational talks. Uh, and I do some LinkedIn training. So individuals or companies that are looking for things along those lines have been great opportunities for me. Right? That's what I, that's where I want to spend my time. And COVID's been kind of a blessing, right? Because, um, you know, travel budgets are down and speaking budgets are down, but if, you're, if your value proposition is right and you don't have to do anything other than log into a Zoom for an hour, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. You know, you can kind of stack up some opportunities that way. I like it, man. I, first of all, I completely agree with you, right? I think COVID, if you look at it through the right angle, and again, I'm going to put a big qualifier here. If you're a hospitality business, this does not apply to you, right? But if you look at, if you look at COVID through the right angle, it is a blessing, right? Like there is in, in massive disruption, there's always massive, massive opportunity. You know, I talk to people about how it's the golden age of networking because people are doing stuff that they've never done before, right? So they're just more open to a new friend. They're more open to meeting somebody in Jacksonville when you live in Detroit over a Zoom call. Whereas before that would have just never happened unless we were at the same conference together, which takes a lot more budget or whatever, right? So, so people, people are, and everybody is sharing the same vulnerability right now, right? Like if, if, if we all, if, if my thesis is true, which I'm pretty sure it is, you can talk to anybody right now because you can always say, oh, so what's up? How's COVID affecting you? And you can bond over it, right? That's right. We all got that kind of similarity, right? It's uh, yeah. relationships are built on common ground and we all got knocked off whatever hill we're on and we're all sitting at maybe just a little lower level than we were before. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe you just a notch down or three notches or some of us fell all the way to the bottom of the hill and that sucks. But you know, it's different. You know, I live on a, I live on a lake here in Michigan and I paddleboard all the time, right? I like a hundred, plus trips so far this year. And I have met more P 
people this year than I have in the eight years that we've lived here previously. And it's because of what you're talking about. It's yep. that openness, it's that vulnerability, it's that we get back to some level of nicety that we, I feel like we had after 2008, 2009 for a couple yep. of years. Yep. I feel like we had at the end of 2001. Yep. And, but, you know, like, so every decade, we just need to get slapped upside the head. We'll see if we learn anything this time. Yeah, you're 100 100 <laughs> percent correct man I, the first time i experienced it was after hurricane andrew destroyed miami right like it was the first time i ever met my neighbor <laughs> really yeah so so I, I i didn't think of it that way but um but but I, I like where you're headed with it man all right so let me let me ask something you're talking about relationship building i'm super curious about your story of coming up in detroit like i i see this i see detroit as an underpriced undervalued gem that that has like kind of the same thing right you went through terrible terrible turmoil so it creates this like opportunity to 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 build a city in the way that benevolent forces can can do it not unsimilar to what's happened in new orleans right new orleans really bounced back really really nicely so tell me your i guess give me your origin story first man before we before we go dive too deep man like how you 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 grew up in you grew up in the mitt right is that what we how we call michigan i learned that from one of your podcasts <laughs> the, the yeah the mitten yeah 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 so i uh, I, I actually claim dual residency so we'll hop in the wayback machine right okay. i was uh i was born and raised in the detroit area and when i just before I turned 12 years old, my mother got remarried and moved me out to Minnesota. So I would tell you I spent my formative years, junior high, high school, uh, where the Mall of America is in Bloomington, Minnesota. So just outside of Minneapolis. Um, but when I was a junior in high school, my father said, hey, good news. You go to college anywhere in the country and you pay for it. But if you come to college anywhere in Michigan, where he still lived, I'll pay for it. So I wasn't a math major or anything, man, but I figured that one out pretty quickly. So I came back here and went to school right outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan, at a school called Eastern Michigan. So I was right next to U of M where I spent the vast majority of my time and working at bars and hanging out with cool people. Um, and I lived there for six years. I moved down to Columbus for a short period of time, Columbus, Ohio. And that's where I got all my networking chops. You and I have a mutual friend. And the reason we met is a fellow named Frank Egan. And Frank runs a really kick-ass networking organization called Am Spirit Business Connection. So shout out to Frank Egan. Shout out to Frank. Little plug, if anybody's looking to open their own networking organization, Frank's got some great franchise opportunity for you. So really, really cool dude. And, and Frank's, a, Frank's a mentor of mine in the networking space. And, you know, to have a, the white-haired, bearded fella talk about mentoring, it's kind of fun, right? Because you, you still need those. doesn't matter how old you are. You can still learn. So Frank's been a, been a great guy and a great friend. But around 2000, I moved back to the Detroit area and I kept looking for a group similar to what we had. And I wasn't finding it. And I joined a couple and spent a couple of years spinning wheels and groups here locally. And then LinkedIn became a thing. And once LinkedIn became a thing, I was like, wow, I can get on here and I can network and I can connect with people and I can serve people and I can be of service to others. This is really cool. And it hit me. We don't really have an online and local face-to-face -face networking organization. And that's what Motor City Connect became. It was that hybrid networking group where you could do networking 24-7, right? But you could also go deep in those relationships face-to-face -face. because before COVID, we didn't have that vulnerability that you mentioned earlier and everybody still had to have that face, right? They had to go paint it, whatever mask they were wearing before they could show up. So you only, you only got the depth when you were toe-to-toe -to -toe and you could call somebody on their bullshit right there because it was harder to do over the phone or over a, a video call if you even did those video calls. The challenge was... I started Motor City Connect as a gift. 
I didn't start it as a business. I started it as a way to bring the city back because I knew in 06 that the big three were tanking. They were going down, 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 down. I knew that the ripple effect of that was going to be a lot of people losing their opportunity. So I knew we had to create an entrepreneurial class here in the Detroit area. And that's what Motor City Connect focused on. Focused on growing the individual so they could have the skills and the techniques that they needed to be able to grow their business so they could go from where they were to where they wanted to be. So ultimately, we could grow and have a positive impact on our community. So that was the three legs of what Motor City Connect is about. When you say three legs, I'm hearing service, relationships, and business growth, right? Is that, is that kind of what you meant by three legs there? Well, I meant grow the individual, grow the business, grow the community. Okay. But yeah, it's exactly right, right? And, it's, and that's how you do it, right? You, you figure out how to help people build relationships, how to help them know exactly who they are and what they're doing and who they're serving. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so it was, it was training, connecting, and, uh, you know, let's have some fun together. That's awesome. That's, that's what really matters. Is, is that motor, is that, you know, so much of, so much of in this story I, I love and I want to unpack, but first I just want to make sure my assumptions are correct, right? Like is, um, was that Motor City Connect kind of like what put you on the map in Detroit? Like, is that your first like big get known? Yeah. Yeah, okay. for sure. I mean, I, like I knew some people and I had been connecting with some people, but, you know, I, I, nobody was ever inviting me to be on a newspaper article or in a, on a television program before that stuff happened. Yeah, That's yeah. For sure. yeah. So that was your first like stage. That was your own stage. It was. It was. And it's, you know, sometimes you got to build that stuff yourself, right? Because you, you can sit around, you can wait for people to invite you to get on their stage or you can just go build a stage. Yeah. I, I just want to throw it out there. Right. I love, <laughs> I'm about, I'm about to rebrand my company, be the stage. Right. So like, I, 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 I very much, I very much agree with that. Right. Like, and, and everything that I'm doing, I think of it as stages and it all came to me from starting young professional groups in Miami that were networking groups that served a charity organization. And eventually I got known enough where I could have my own groups that weren't tied to a charity, but it was like whatever amalgamation of those audiences I wanted to. And it sounds like a very parallel track to what you have done, right? You started, you started by serving. You, 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 you saw a need in the market for something that wasn't there. That was a nexus between online relationship building and in-person relationship building and a way to catalyze the economy of, of your downtrodden city in a, in a sustainable relationship based way. Is that, is that kind of, is that kind of how it came? Not only that, but to to, to really put a, a cap on this feather or a feather in this cap or whatever that saying would be, um, it, the, the first time anybody even really paid attention was this red, green, and warmth campaign that we did mm-hmm. where we partnered with the American Red Cross to generate blood, blankets, or bucks, right? Red, green, and warmth. Love so it. it was, it was, it was exactly what you just said. It was, let's figure out how we can really dive in and be of greater service than to just ourselves. But let's, let's include that next layer of others that may need help right now too. Another thing I want to tease out from there is that, that like the partnering with a philanthropy is a great co-branding opportunity that can add amplification to whatever you're doing right and 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 philanthropies are always needing that help right so if you get someone that's a doer it can be a very win-win thing like like it sounds like for you right that's exactly it so what happens first when you when you when you start with this when when do you start seeing that relationships are really really happening are they like did did people's businesses start coming from this thing or did relationships start happening first then then business and, and what were the telltale signs that you, that you thought, man, I'm really doing something here? You know, we, when we started, it, the, the platforms weren't even available, right? So we started on a Yahoo group. And when we got to a thousand messages a month, right? When we were generating, um, you know, 30 plus messages every single day, just between a few hundred people, you knew that something was really going on 
you could watch the the thanks for this opportunity, the thanks for this connection, the thanks for this lead, thanks for helping me get this position, thanks for helping me get this new business started. Um, it was cool, man. It was really, really cool, and it and it and it continued to trend like that, and it got to the point where people were like, "Yo, this is generating too much noise. You're blowing up my phone nonstop," you know. And it was we're we're just a couple of months in at this point. I'm like, "All right, so now we got to go figure out how do we how do we move this? How can we build it on a system?" where, you know, I can put a profile up and talk about who I am and what I do. And I can have threaded discussions. So these conversations can live in different spaces based on what they are. And, and so we joined with this company at the time it was called Collective X is now called GroupSite. And GroupSite's still around. And if you, I haven't looked, I know they just did a major rebrand and an overhaul this, this year. Um, but for the last dozen years or so, our, our our design was on their homepage, right? We were the, we were the poster child for what their business was about. And that was, uh, you know, that was pretty cool too. That was pretty cool too. So that to me means that you're a guy, right? So like everything you're describing is kind of like the impetus of social media, right? Like you just, what <laughs> you, you created a, you created your own Facebook before Facebook, right? Like to, that was my big mistake right there. <laughs> you want to, you want to hear the biggest fail point of Motor City Connect? Please. The biggest fail point of Motor City Connect was taking all those people and using it as a as a revenue opportunity was teaching them how to use LinkedIn, teaching them how to use Facebook, teaching them how to use Twitter. And you know what happens when you give a bunch of people a different pile of fire, right? Like, so Motor City Connect was like, uh, you know, flint and stone, right? So you're pounding out fire. And then like LinkedIn was like, uh, you know, a box of matches and Facebook was like a lighter and Twitter was like one of those torches you might use to light a cigar. And so I, I'm like, here, have more fire, have more fire and then all of a sudden you're looking around going Man, i could toss a hot dog down a hallway and not hit anybody what happened we moved all of these people out right we gave them access to other stuff so it was it was good it was great and it was bad simultaneously so once you once you move somebody out and they're like well gosh if i can connect with six thousand people here but I could connect with 600,000 people over there. 600,000 has to be way better because that's how the mind works. The mind doesn't think logically that it doesn't do me any good to connect with somebody in Bombay, India, right? Even though that's kind of what all these other international tools are. So yeah, it was, uh, that, was an, that was an improvement opportunity. And in hindsight, one of those things you might do a lot differently. So let me ask something. Do you agree with that statement? Do you think it's do you think it's better to to connect with six hundred people or have the opportunity to connect or, or have the opportunity to connect with six hundred thousand people? What do you, what do you think of that? So I have wrestled with and argued about the quality versus quantity debate since I long before I wrote a book on networking in twenty ten. In in ten year younger Terry would tell you more is better right? More is better because you never know where opportunities can lead to and connections can lead to. Um, as a almost 50 year old fella, I would tell you tighten the tribe, right? Get as close to a tight group of people that really give a shit about you and your success as opposed to just random folks. Cause here's the truth. Just random folks are always there. They're always going to happen. I'm not saying to discount it, but I'm saying if I was going to focus on one over the other, I would go tighter. How do you do that? Like, how do you, how do you differentiate between the people to go tighter with? And then how do you bring them closer to you? Um, you invest. You, it, first off, they got to have something in common, right? I go back to, to I'll, you talk about common ground all day. Right. So they got to have something right there. There are people that are on the same mission as you, people that are going after the same type of clients, or the same type of business partners as you, people that are in the same geographic area. A lot of times, right, that are serving the same markets you're serving um, and then just invest that time and that energy. Right. It's, you know, it, it could be as simple. I, I sent a I sent a, a message through Facebook Messenger to a handful of folks that are in my tribe. Hey, what's going on, sunshine? Nothing, nothing more than that. Just a, just a hello, 
right? Just a quick high thinking of you because ultimately all of this stuff revolves around staying top of mind with people that matter to you. I love it, man. I love it. And I want to, I just want to tease out those two points, right? Building a relationship with somebody that has a common interest to you is the move, right? Like I, like I just think there is, there's so many people out there that are just like, be a closer. Be a, it's like, no man, you know, like it should close itself in, in, in a relationship, right? If you have, if you have common interests, it should be a double opt-in, right? And then, and then the idea that relationship building doesn't need to be overly thought out, right? Like it is just a touch point. It is a, Hey, I'm thinking about you. It is like, how's it going sunshine? Like you said, over a Facebook message and every once in a while a phone call and I find that that stuff, that stuff works even, even with, even with people that are like above my ilk, right? Like just sending them a message like, yo man, the heat game last night was amazing, right? <laughs> you know, just, just like, I'm thinking about you. I know you like the heat <laughs> and, uh, and, and just sending it out there, right? Like, do you, do you have, is that how you approach it when, when, when you are trying to get close to somebody that, do you even still consider that there's people, you know, like I, I, I is this like a young man thing? Like thinking that, all right, this guy's a couple levels above me. I need to approach this differently. Or, 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 or do you still go through that now going into 50, being a, a guy with your platform and reputation and stuff like that? You know, it's a great question. I, I can answer it from somebody else's perspective. I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to think about it. I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of different examples. My brother is an executive level. He, he worked in Asia, built, huge companies did a great job as a president overseas and is looking for looking for a role right because of everything that's happened not a lot of work going on for international guys that live here and work in china right now and so it's been interesting to talk to him and listen to him about how he might approach a situation well i don't want to do that i don't want to do this i don't want to i don't want to come off like this right i want to come off as too needy i don't want to be overzealous and i'm like what are you talking about, man? Oh, you know, you got to go, listen, here's the door. It's open. You have to walk through the thing now, you know, and, uh, and it's, so it's, and he's way above my pay grade, right? Way above my pay grade. Um, and so give you the juxtaposition of that. I just hung up uh, two hours ago doing a, doing an interview with a guy named Al Jean. Al Jean's the executive producer of the Simpsons, right? Oh, He's been running the show sick. for 30, well, 26 of 31 years. Right. Yeah. Um, and I've been, I've been trying to get this dude to do something with me on and me, TEDx Detroit, me, not me, Terry. Uh, although he did, he did come on my podcast two years ago, which was cool. But I've been asking him for seven or eight years, right? And it's like, that's a dude that's above my station. But it was something that I was so interested in that I didn't care. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep asking. He was available on Twitter. And so I just, every year I'd ask him. And every year I was polite about it. Every year when he'd say no, I'd say, is it cool if I ask you again next year? And every year he'd say yes. And thank you, COVID, because he was able to make the time this year to make that happen. Because you didn't have to leave LA to be here in Detroit. Amazing. Amazing. And, and, and I like, when I asked you this, I hadn't really conceptualized it myself, right? Like it was just the conversation was going that way. But as I, but as I think about it, it is kind of common for the corporate ladder, the person that is in the corporate ladder somewhere in it to overthink that, that scenario, right? Like to overthink that, eh, I don't want to, whereas I do find that the more genuine you just are with everybody, right? Like, like there is, um, I guess if I was to answer that question myself, it doesn't matter who or what ilk the person is. I'm going to show up the same way that I show up, but I tend to be more mindful of people's times the more I respect them. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, it's like, I, I try to make things as easy as possible for the, you know, as frictionless as possible for them to interact with me but I'm still going to treat them like they're my buddy to a certain extent. So that's a, that's a valuable lesson, right? So we talk about that earlier, we're talking about being harmonious with your giving and your receiving. We also have to be harmonious with our respect for others time Mm -hmm. and our own time. 
right? And and I have a I had a tendency to be like, what? I don't care about my time. My time doesn't mean that much. And and that was early on. But the reality is, my time was the only thing that actually meant anything, right? And so you gotta you gotta have that flip too. There's a guy named Chris Brogan. And a decade ago, 2009 timeline, Chris would have been the Gary V of the day, right? There was probably nobody bigger in social media than Chris. And I happened to speak with him on a couple of different stages. So we became friendly. He's out of the Massachusetts area. And I remember tweeting, you know, in 2011, I'm going to be super jealous of my time. That was like December 30th, 2010. And, and Chris responded and retweeted, this is exactly what I'm working on too, right? And it's, so you talk about that validation from somebody that you see is above you. You're like, wow, man, your dumbass has these same problems too cool. Yeah. You know, you feel, you feel better about yourself when you know you're not the only one struggling with an issue or two. Yeah, man. I, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I love the, man, how do you, you know, I, I, I want to take this into, cause now you hit on a couple of things, right? You reached out to this dream person on Twitter a couple of times and it's worked for you. Right. And I, and I, and I very much believe that content and online interactions that are visible on a wall at scale, right? Like, so whether it is a comment on someone's thing, a tweet, a video you're producing, a podcast you're putting out, something that people can interact with frictionlessly is the kerosene to put onto the networking fire. And it is the frictionless way of being respectful of people's times while trying to build relationships with them, right? So how do you how do you approach that? I mean, it sounds like it sounds like you're pretty active on social media. It sounds like you are heady about your strategy. Um, can you can you give me a little bit of insight into into how you approach what platforms you interact on and at what scales and how you kind of manage your time on them? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't manage my time on them as well as I should. So let's start with that. Um, and it's been interesting because one of the things that I'm in the process of is. I'm going through the same debate that a lot of people are right now. Should I be deleting Facebook from my phone? Is it time to get rid of that tool that I have been on since November of 2006, right? So I've been I, like the day Facebook opened to no hairs and gray hairs, I was on it, right? And it was on it because I had been on LinkedIn for two years prior to that. So I'm an OG in the social media world, right? An original gangsta. Um, and Twitter was, there wasn't a million people on Twitter when I got on the Twitter, right? So I don't spend hardly any time on Twitter anymore. I'm replacing a fair amount of the time that I spend on Facebook with Instagram and the tool that's been consistent that whole time is LinkedIn. So if I were to, if I were to break it down, I am 30% of my time is LinkedIn, 30% of my time is Facebook and going down. Um, and, 10, and, and I'm talking social media time, not like my hours in my day. Thank God. Um, and, and then, you know, the, the balance is made up between YouTube, Instagram, in Twitter. In fact, I, it's funny, I just signed into my, my Vimeo account today, right? So Vimeo is that old video service that was around a, a decade ago. And I still have, I have like videos that are 10 and 11 years old on there. So I was doing video marketing, you know, a decade ago, because that's what I thought was going to be the next great thing. Turns out I was right. I was just super early. early. Yeah. Yeah. So what, so then what is, all right, so that's the breakdown of time on those platforms. Are you spending those time on your platforms posting? Are you are like are you making content, video content, putting it on there? Are you spending your time doing that Gary V dollar eighty strategy where you're commenting on other stuff? Are you DMing people? Um, do you I spend more time? I, I spend the most time posting and commenting, right? And I don't. I I honestly I don't follow Gary V because I, I tell people all the time I don't like to read books. I know I could have written. 
right? I just, that's just yeah. who I am, right? So I don't, I'm not trying to figure out what anybody else is doing, I'm trying to figure out and get better at what I do. And so commenting to me is, is a must. Um, for people that are just getting into it, I always talk about the 555 strategy and it's been five minutes, go look at five posts, go comment with five words or more and be done with it. But if you're not doing that, you're missing out because the single best way to get more engagement on your stuff is to be more engaged on other people's stuff. Yeah. You know, and people, people forget that. They're like, oh, I, how come no one shows up? Because you don't show up, right? You've got to go bring the party back to you. You know, it's one yeah. of those things. Yeah. And that's, so again, it proves what you said, right? Like you could have written that book because that's, that's Gary V's dollar 80 strategies that go drop your two cents on 90 posts a day. So you get to a dollar 80, right? Like, um, so let me, so you said something really interesting to me right now because it's something that I've struggled with in the past and I've, it sounds like I've come out on the other end of the conclusion. You said, I don't read books about topics that I could have written it on. And I used to, I used to believe that too. And I would never read a networking book, right? Like I would, I didn't read, uh, never eat alone until about two years ago. And then since then I'm like, Oh dude. So I read never eat alone. I found a bunch of stuff that I do intuitively that I hadn't verbalized. I found a couple of things that I do that I had verbalized. And then I found a, a few things that I'd never really thought about. Right. Mm. But I found it as a really positive experience. Right. I found it as like, Oh, I should do more of this. Cause this validates that I'm not full of shit. And it also, and it also helps me recontextualize how I'm thinking things. And since then I've like consciously fought that demon, right? Like now when I hear of a networking book, my first thought is still, I don't need to, I don't need to, I don't need to read face to face. Like, uh, you know, but, but then I'm like, no, 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 wait, I should, I should stop and do that. Um, do you disagree? <laughs> I guess. I, you know what? I, I, I have somewhere in this little humble abode is uh cds for never eat alone and at the time i was writing my book be connected i had popped that cd in disc one and i got about eight minutes into it and i don't remember whether it was the concept the context or the voice that said eh, maybe you don't listen to this and maybe it was the idea that get back to it when you're done writing because you don't want to be pilfering other people's ideas. That could have been part of it too. Um, but I remember, I remember hitting it one more time and getting through about the same amount and being like, you know what, I'm done. And that was a few years after that. So I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily look to read things to validate because I'm, I'm a, in very internal fellow, right? I'm, I, I will, most people tell you I'm a complete and total extrovert. Mm -hmm. uh, any test would tell you I am split right down the middle. I am half introvert, half extrovert, right? So I don't, I don't need that external validation in, in some areas. I need it all the way in other areas, but sometimes I don't need much of it there. Um, so if, if I'm going to take the time to read something, it's got to be, I like, if I'm not getting my mind blown apart every couple of pages, I'm probably going to lose interest pretty quickly. That makes sense, man. And you bring up something, you bring up something I want to talk about because I am an extreme extrovert and I don't even know if it's the same thing, but I'm also very externally motivated, mm -hmm. right? Like, like I'm an extrovert. I, I think to me, the difference between an introvert and an extrovert is an introvert, when they're around people, they may or may not like it, but they get drained by the energy of other people. An extrovert around people, you know, gets, it's like Superman staring at the sun type of thing, right? Which is how I feel when I leave a conference, I come home and it's like, I'm on crack for three days and my wife can't stand me and I can't sleep. Um, <laughs> which is, you know, I don't sleep well and I don't blame her for not standing me. But anyways, uh, I, as far as, uh, as far as being motivated by it though, I see it as a weakness for myself, right? Because I do, I do care very much, right? Like, like I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I shroud it in service or, or if it really is because I'm so service focused that that's where I'm at. I don't know. I don't know where the line is there, but I do, I do sense like a, a certain amount of weakness and a certain amount of strength from really, really caring and being externally motivated and I often envy people that are very internally, you know, driven. 
Um, and I wonder if you feel the same or you don't or, or what you see in the difference between those types of people. Well, I want to, I don't want to correct you because this is your show, right? So I'm going to, I want to suggest an alternative thought and see how it resonates with you if I, if I may. So it's, I I always look at it and and I learned this from a friend, Rod Hairston, and there's a great book called, Are You Up for the Challenge by Rod Hairston that I think details this a little better than I will. Um, But Rod talks about you are either internally motivated or externally motivated. And what he talks about there is what's your drive? What gets you up in the morning? What's allowing you to kick off the sheets? Is it something that you've got that fire in the belly and you're going to go? Or do you need somebody kicking you in the pants to make you move? So that's what he means there. And then he talks about internally focused or externally focused. So are you are you doing these things, whether internally motivated or externally motivated, are you doing these things for you and you alone, or are you doing these things in support of others? And so that's where, where your focus lies. So you said, you know, some of the best presidents in, um, in our time have been internally motivated and externally focused, right? So they've got all the drive they need, but they're doing the things for other people. Right. And so I, that's, I want to, I wanted to bounce it off you and see how you feel about that. That's a really great reframe for me, man. Like I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Right. Because now that, so I am definitely, I'm definitely very externally motivated, right? Like I work best when it's like the pressure of letting somebody else down is what's making me doing it as opposed to like meeting my own goal or deadline. Okay. And then and I think I'm also very externally motivated too, right? Like I, like, like, I, like I think I am trying to do stuff for others over for myself, but because I think that it pays for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like and, and, and I, I'm not saying like I do it for you, so you do it for me. I'm just saying I really do think long-term, the more people that I have served, the better off I will be. That's right. And that's, you know, so one of the things we talk about in terms of uh, networking is this, this idea of selfish altruism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what, I'm going to go do a bunch of stuff for other people because ultimately I know it's going to benefit me, mm-hmm. right? Like, so I'm a, I am a selfish, altruistic individual, me selfishly too. altruistic, and I, and I totally get that. And so, and I, and I appreciate you, you thinking through that little topic. For me, um, I'm going to do the things that I'm going to do regardless if anybody else is there. I don't, I don't need a kick in the pants. I'm a, I got long legs. That's not true. My legs are really short, but I got, I got enough reach or flexibility to kick my own ass and I will, I will do it. Um, I probably don't do it as much as I need to, but uh, you know, it's, I'm not, you're, I've got a better chance of getting me started than anybody else does. Right. You come at me and be like, you got to do this. I'll just sit and laugh. Yeah, yeah. I, I envy that for the record, right? Like I really do envy that self-starterness, but continue. So, but it's, for me, it's all about the other people, right? It's all about creating that result for others because ultimately that's what matters. And one of the things that I am, uh, have been most conscious of, right? When I was making that harmonious shift was to make sure that the people that live in this house are on that list, Right. And not only on that list, but first on that list. And there was my my wife will tell you, there was a period of time when I totally skipped that. Like, like they were such an extension of me that I didn't even really think about how my actions were impacting them. And and so, um, yeah, that that had to change, man. That had to change. That's such a common folly. Right. Like I feel, I find that you see that so much. I see it in the best couples. I see it in the best relationships just, and I see it in myself, how you treat the people closest to you sometimes the worst, right? Like, and, and it, and it goes all the way to the top. It goes all the way to how you treat yourself. Right. right. So, so I think that's a really important thing to, to call out, man. You know, like the idea that, and and I've and I've struggled with it my whole life being so externally motivated and 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 whatever right like I'll this is a trivial example but I remember being on a bachelor party in the Virgin Islands and like I met these two dudes at a bar that I started hanging out with and then my friends were gonna go back to the college I was like wow I'm gonna hang out with these guys another hour you know like it was stupid right? <laughs> like my best friends are all together you know like um 
<laughs> my well, buddies yeah. always laugh at me, man. I, I always pick up guys in the bathroom. They're like, what the <laughs> hell is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't, people like me. I can't help it. Dude. So you come here often or? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the weirdest thing. This is where the Dukes hang out? Yeah. yeah, yeah All like the big ones. <laughs> Oh man, that's uh, hilarious. That's cool, man. So, so from one uh, dude picker upper to another, uh, what? Uh, how did? How how do we meet, Terry? <laughs> what, what bathroom did we meet? <laughs> All the glory hole jokes just write themselves, man. <laughs> Glorious. <laughs> you know, we uh, we touched on it a little bit. Our friend Frank Egan put together yeah. this little group called this networking hub, and so Frank invited a, a dozen or so people, and yeah. some of those might have invited a, a person or two. And next thing you know, we were sitting around on a Zoom with. 18 to 22 people and this was probably july time frame maybe mm-hmm. yeah and uh yeah i just there were like like you said earlier there were a handful of people that they had that poise and that confidence and that conversational style that i was like yeah i gotta i gotta meet some of these people i don't have to meet all of them because i never have to meet all of them i i tell people all the time you go to a networking event you come back with five to seven business cards out of the 50 people that were there you win Right. Because you're building, you're going to build actual connection and relationship as opposed to collecting a bunch of cards. Like right now uh, around my laptop are about 150, maybe 300 business cards that I'm sorting into three piles. Right. These are people I'm definitely calling. These are people I'll probably call. These are cards that I'm throwing away. Right. Because I'm like, what am I doing with these people? I don't need to collect these anymore. Um, and so it's, it's, that's the sort of thing. If you're very in, uh, intentional is the word I'm looking for. If you're very intentional about the cards you collect at an event, you don't have that issue. If you're very intentional about the people you connect with after a Zoom meeting, mm-hmm. you end up talking to people on a really cool podcast for a while. <laughs> that's cool. So, uh, so then if, if I'm just breaking it down, then it was a... It was like uh, the way I speak kind of thing that you were just like, no, I want to talk to this dude. Your accent was sexy. And if I found you in a men's room, I would have been like all over it. (laughs) No, man, you had good stuff to say, right? It was, it was about, it was, it's, it was about how you show up, right? It's about, it's about how you show up. It's about, and that's a portion of what you say. It's Mm -hmm. a portion of how you say it. And it's a portion of, you know, what you're actually doing in life. And so anybody that is interesting and interested in building stages and helping others beyond more, that's a, that's, it's so akin to, to who I am and what I'm about. You know, I, I have clients and I'm like, listen, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to throw you on my back. I'm going to carry you down the field. I'm going to drop you at the half yard line. You're going to step in the end zone and spike the ball. That's, that's my role. That's my goal. That's what I'm about. And I, I guess I picked up a similar sense from you. Awesome, dude. Okay, cool, man. That's great. That's great. You ready for you're the confirm or confirm or deny that you're going to be like, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. No, no, no. Um, I like, I'm like, I'm like kind of processing it right now. Um, you know, I more so than confirm or deny stuff. What, 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 what is there to confirm or deny there? <laughs> that, well, that, does, that, does that, does that sound like who you are? Does that sound like who you try and show up? As? Thank you. Th- thank Thank you for, I kind of short circuited there. Thank you for bringing me back on track, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, you know, I very, in my networking speaking points, how you show up is a big thing I say, right? Like the energy of how you say things. I think we just spoke about it when I first, I was like, fantastically well. And I'm like, if you put an inflection in there, people will fucking believe you, right? Sure, that's it. <laughs> so, All day. But that's definitely something that hit me, right? Um, the, the, the energy I give off anytime I'm speaking with somebody that I don't know Man, if it's not super over the top positive, something's really wrong with me because I, I devote a lot of energy and mentality, mentality and you know mental space into 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 coming across that way. I, in your words and what you said, is something I've never really spoken about or considered. But I I, I do think that the better you speak and the better you articulate in general, people are drawn to that, right? Like I think I think. 
people have always assumed that I have a high IQ because of the way that I communicate, whether I have a high IQ or not. I think my rate of speech and whatever, that is something I've seen. And I don't know if that's what you meant, but that's kind of how it hit me. So that's why I was so like, in awe. I was like, man, I've never really thought about this. Um, the, the idea that, cause now I'm seeing this more and more now that I, now that I live in Jacksonville, um, my vocabulary just seems to be more expansive than most people that you write. Like I'll, like I'll say, I'll say words. The, <laughs> the other day I was sitting. Now that I moved to Dumbville is what I just heard. <laughs> I'm in Dumbville and I'm the mayor. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think that that was a, that was kind of a dick thing for me to say. I don't know if it's Jacksonville or not, man. I, I, sh- I should probably edit this piece out, but, but, but I, maybe you should. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I'm not gonna. Right. But like, that was unfair for me to say now that I moved to Jacksonville. That was really a cheap shot into, into, in, in, into the South, right? Which I love Jacksonville. I love this place. Um, you do seem happy there. I didn't I'm know you super, before, but you had really good things to say about it when we, when we talked about last time. Because I, one of the first times we talked, I said, boy, we were just there because the last thing we did before COVID hit was yeah. take a cruise. And we ended up flying out of Jacksonville and we ended up spending the night there the night before. And I was like, man, that's a really cool area. I liked it. Yeah. 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 And listen, I've, I, I am in love with this place. Like I am selling Jacksonville to everybody in Miami. Like, bro, you're sleeping on this. Right. Um, so that being said, recontext, it just happened to me very recently that I was in a brunch conversation with four other people that are also like, movers and shakers in town and like in a span of 15 minutes i said three different words that they were like whoa whoa, whoa, what does that mean um but you know now i i I look back at it and i and i just think the older i get the more that that stratifies for me and i think it's because i went to to be perfectly frank i think i went to like rich kid private schools my whole life right so like all my all my little rich kid friends that were hyper educated all come from these like big vocabularies and the older i get the more the less i'm hanging out with just that type of person right um because it a couple of years ago i think it was right after obama lost the last election not last after you know obama was leaving the presidency um i did say i'm really going to miss having a great orator in the white house. Right. Like, and, and, and the person who I was speaking to is one of the people that I most respect. She is brilliant. She is one of the top two people in my network that I would drop everything and go work for her right now. She was like, order, huh? I would have never thought to use that word. Like I, you know, so, so I do think it is a, a trend that, that the older I get, the more I realize that my vocab, I don't know, man, I feel like I'm kissing my own ass here talking about my vocabulary <laughs> and making people in Jacksonville sound like they're hillbillies. And that's not my intention. <laughs> The visual of that is just fantastic, right? Are you being forward? Do you go over to the side? How does that work exactly? I want to know. Uh, well, when I envision it, never mind. <laughs> so, so how upset are you that we didn't just go into the speed round or whatever you were going to jump into? <laughs> you know, I, I think this is really funny and I'm having a really good time. And, and now I'm like super just like can't stop thinking about whether I should edit this thing out or not. <laughs> that's why you have people let them decide yeah 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 so i'm super happy we went into it on a personal level on a podcast level 50 50 you ready for the speed around bro i am ready let's go bam, 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 bam. all right terry what's your favorite restaurant where is favorite? it and what meal do you get there oh you know what there's a place called cj's it's about four minutes from my house maybe 10 uh they've got this deep dish pizza that's just cj's in detroit it's yeah, it's why it's Commerce Township. I don't, I live 45 miles okay. north of Detroit. So, Commerce Township, CJ, right? So, like, to me, this is like a value add. People that listen to this, if they ever go visit, they're gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna go check this out, right? Yeah, I gotta go get some pizza. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if, if anybody's going to CJ's, uh, Carlos Jets, and anybody in the Detroit area knows about Jets Pizza. So, they use some of the same ingredients, but it's like the, the premium stock. Okay, Carlos Jets. I like it. What content are you most into right now? Like this could be a podcast that you're listening to. It could be a book that you recently read. It could be your Netflix and chill story right now that you got going on. But what are you, what are you consuming the most of that you think that's, that's in your head? You know, the first thing that came to mind, and I, I haven't listened to all of it, but there's a podcast called Disgraceland. 
mm-hmm. right? So like Graceland, but Disgraceland. And so this guy breaks down like the true Hollywood stare stories of musicians, and he tells all the things that happen. So there's one about NWA, and there was one about the Beach Boys, and there is a, he's, there's one on Guns N' Roses. And so Disgraceland is phenomenal. If you're interested in the act, right, the musical act, um, and then getting the behind-the-scenes dirt on them, and just the way he delivers it and the way he thinks it out and just the, the way the show's put together is really, really cool. Are you into it from a storytelling production aspect? Are you into it from like a voyeuristic aspect? Like what, uh, what, what is it that you're liking about it? I, I think it's, I think it's the storytelling. I think it's, it's, it's this, I'm it, I only listen to the acts that I'm interested in. Yeah. Right. So if he was talking about Janis Joplin, I'm not a Janis Joplin fan, so I'm never going to hear that one. Mm-hmm. But when he was talking about Izzy and Duff and the rest of Guns and Roses, I was like, Oh dude, that's so cool. In the Beach Boys one, specifically Dennis Wilson Beach Boy was basically all about Sharon Tate and Charles Manson and that whole story. And it was, it was really cool. Interesting. Interesting. All right, cool. I got to ask, this isn't part of the lightning round, but you've, you, you've mentioned like three different hip hop references. Are you, are you a hip hop fan? Like <laughs> you're picking up on that OG thing. Yeah, I'm picking up on the OG. I'm picking up on the Flava Flav. The NWA was the first thing you said. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, it's funny you say that today Spotify asked me for my five favorite songs and I had to like punch them in manually. And uh, one of the five was, I know you got soul by Rakim. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, man. So back eighties stuff, yeah, yeah. not, uh, you know, by the time Pac and Biggie started battling, I was, I was kind of tapped out, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, yeah, that old stuff, man, uh, I still listen to it all the time. Interesting. That's cool. All right. What is something that you were sure about in your twenties that you no longer believe? That I would have hair until I died, man. I would have bet on the farm that there was no way all this poofy mess was going away. And look at me now. How has that affected your decision-making these days? <laughs> you know, for a long time, I, I shaved it all, right? It was not bald, but it was like taken down to the, to the nub. Yeah. And it was great because I didn't have to decide to put gel in it or decide to buy shampoo or anything. And now COVID hit and I let my beard go crazy and I let my hair go crazy. And I've, I've kind of, I still have hair. Like you could actually grab it by the back here. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's been interesting. And then the big decision is which hat am I going to wear? <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm a big hat guy. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your favorite piece of advice that you've either ever received or like your favorite piece of advice that you like to give to people? Um, my favorite advice that I've received came from my father, who was a businessman. He owned a Herman Miller dealership, office furniture dealership. And I remember him telling me years ago as something was blowing up in his world and he had to call his client about it, that you run to your clients with bad advice and you walk to them or not bad advice, but with bad news Mm -hmm. and you walk to them with good news. He said, if, if something's messed up, man, you got to go and you got to handle it and you got to do it right flipping now. Don't wait. He said, the more what you wait, the more it festers. And so I've used that numerous times. Um, the best advice that I give is uh, there was a poem I read in the late 90s and the poem was called Zen Pantheism. And it, the latter part of the poem, it was talking about the duality of life. And it talked about the idea of death isn't the opposite of life like we so often think. Death is the opposite of birth. It's life looked at from the other side. And I have used that counsel uh, hundreds of times as loved ones have lost loved ones. And, you know, I always wondered how it was going to serve me. And a few years back, my father died. And so I got to, I got to apply it in my own little way. And, and it, and it really worked, man. It really worked. I'm fascinated by this idea of, um, of closeness to death and, uh, and, and how that has kind of been proven that it actually brings joy, right? Like cultures that keep death most present are actually the happiest cultures. True. And, um, the best piece of, and I was just talking to a good friend of mine yesterday who lost his mother and I was reflecting on like how, you know, I, I mean, I can't fathom that moment coming, you know, of, of, of losing a parent. Um, and then also my death of losing my brother was something that greatly impacted my life as well. But 
I, I bring this all around to say that I, I, I've reflected a lot on the advice to give when people pass these days. And the, and the best thing that I ever heard was um, one of my best friend's uncle, who I call Uncle Mark, is um, when his brother's wife suddenly passed, Uncle Pat's wife, um, he said something at the celebration of life that is, in the moments of greatest loss come some of the moments of greatest clarity. Right. And I've, and ever since he said that it struck me, right? Like based on the fact that I'm living everything that I'm doing now, very much inspired with what I have learned from my brother's passing and who he was and whatever. And, and, um, and the idea that you just often hear about people in their biggest struggle, finding their biggest truth, or even just like, if you lose someone dear to you, you now have the excuse to go reinvent your life and no one's going to judge you. And that's usually the right, the right move if that's coming from your gut. Right. Like, yeah. So I just felt compelled to say that. Um, yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Cool, man. Um, where do Terry? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna link to your about me Terry Bean page. Um, but I, you're clearly active on LinkedIn, right? Like what? Uh, but I want to give you right now like a moment to promote anything you want to promote. Is it the is TEDx coming up? Detroit, go check it out. You know, like whatever you wanna whatever you wanna put on this stage in this moment that you get to promote because I'm gonna link people to you anyway. So. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, um, number one, LinkedIn is the place to find me, right? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm calling Facebook people. I'm not adding Facebook people. I have a page there at try being, but I'm not looking to add Facebook friends. Um, so I spend most of my time LinkedIn, trybean.com. I'm actually taking on a new role in the very new future with, um, and I'll be heading up sales and marketing for an insurance client of mine. And so I'm super excited about that. So people can find me at pkig.com. That's like, by the time this is out, that should have happened. Um, <laughs> shh, don't tell anybody because it's super quiet right now. Um, but yeah, man, it's been, it's, it's all good. Wherever people want to be, I'm probably already there. Uh, my YouTube channels try being way W A Y cause you know, I've been doing that for a long time too. And I'm just like, uh, I tell people all the time, I'm just here to be like a little helper monkey. So that's my, that's my goal, right? It's, I tell folks all three people a day, right? In some way, some shape, somehow. I want to help three people a day, every single day. Sometimes I get to be on stage and help like 300 at a time. That's uh, Those are good days, man. You feel the high. It doesn't mean I get to take tomorrow off. Right? Yeah. It's not like the aggregate, but you know, that's the, that's the goal. That's awesome, man. Uh, my last question that I ask everybody is where do you find community? Um, I've built my own little tribe, right? We talked about this earlier. One of the things that I was looking at with Motor City Connect was the expansive nature of it. And I'm like, I can't serve all these people. So inside of Motor City Connect, I created the thing called Club MCC, which it's entirely possible that by the time this thing ends up, albeit it'll call just called Club Bean, right? Because ultimately I'm kind of the center of it anyway, as much as I don't want to be. Um, so those folks uh, are good. The networking hub, right? There's a handful of people in there that would be club members in a heartbeat. Some of the folks that I've met through speaking. You know, I, I go back to the first time we did the introductions at, at networking hub with the Frank Egan group. And I assume, did, did you know Berta before this? I did, yeah. Yeah, okay. So we got to give a shout out to Berta. Yeah, Berta's the best. She's the most amazing connector I've ever met. And you, you know, you refer to yourself as the chief executive connector. Yeah. I wrote a book called Be Connected. I have a group called Motor City Connect that was, again, both are more than a decade old. Uh, and so when I say she's amazing at that, I mean literally yeah. and legitimately. Yeah. But when we went through the introductions of everybody, and I, I went last because I can go last. I have no problem with that. I was like, holy shit, I'm in a room with 14 other Terry Beans. This is the most amazing group, yeah. right? Yeah. Coach, trainer, speaker, podcaster, networker. Um, I Even I think somebody used the phrase business therapist or therapist in some way, shape, or form. And for months, that was my LinkedIn title, business therapist, because ultimately that's the role I feel like I perform most, you know? And I was like, Wow, man, it's just such a good group of people. So I find community there. Um, but the truth is, I find community everywhere I go. And the reason being, because I have peace right here, right? I am, you, you used a, you said something earlier that I use all the time. Wherever I go, there I am. 
I'm the same dude. If you find me on LinkedIn, if you find me on Facebook, I probably swear a little more on Facebook than on LinkedIn. But aside from that, I'm the same guy that's going to show up at your office. That's going to stand out here on my dock and do a video. I just, that's, that's the goal. I just, you got to be the same person because that's where authenticity lives and authenticity is what attracts people. Amazing, man. I'm, uh, I'm so grateful we had this conversation, Terry, right? Like, uh, I gotta, yeah, I just, I, I, I like to end, you know, these episodes with what I, you know, acknowledging people for, for what I see in them. And you're a guy that, again, I also felt an instant connection to you when you spoke at in the, on that zoom call, right? Like, I don't know if it's the, the base in your voice, which I find strangely attractive or, 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 or whatever else you've got going on, man. But as I, as I peel back the onion on you, you are somebody that I just I, I admire everything that you represent, man. Like you, you know, you, you represent this like genuineness, this openness, this, this sense of walking community, I think is a good way to put it because you just, you just kind of said it, right? Like you, you find it wherever you are. And, um, I, I find that incredibly inspiring, man, to see somebody, um, that I can, that I can model the next, you know, I'm 10 years, almost exactly 10 years younger than you. If you're about to turn 50, I'm about to turn 40. Right. So like if I can model the next 10 years of my life with those principles and come out looking like you in, in, in 10 years, man, that, that, that's such a, as an externally motivated person, it's a very validating thing that, that I love to see, man. And I, and I feel really, really blessed to, to be able to like grow this relationship and, 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 you know, deconstruct what you do and hopefully add value to it, man. And, and, and thank you for being here and, uh, and being open to this relationship, man. I look forward to the future of it, dude. Me too, Pablo. I hope you enjoyed that conversation right there as much as I did. Listen, connect with Pablo is a content marketing community creation agency. The bottom line is that if you can start creating content that can give value to your customers or audience while creating strategic relationships through it, you can have a content machine that allows you to tell the story of your business through the value you are creating while gathering people together. If you're curious about that or know someone who could be, please shoot me an email at you should at connectwithpablo.com or hit me up on Instagram or LinkedIn through the profiles tagged in the show notes. If you just want a quick pick me up and some tactical advice right before walking into a room full of strangers, go to connectwithpablo.com, watch the five minute video about how to walk into a room and not feel like you're all alone and or download the little cheat sheet on how to do just that. I have a lot of my friends that I've done networking with me for a long time tell me that they love watching that thing and carrying it around when they're walking into a networking event or they're walking into a conference or sometimes even if you're just walking into a wedding and you don't know anybody, right? It has a lot of use for it. I invite you to check it out if you need it. I really hope you stick around, connect with me, and start leaning into finding value in others and feeling like you have value to give yourself. It'll make the world a better place, I promise. Until the next episode, I am Pablo Gonzalez, your Chief Executive Connector. <laughs>